What's up, everybody? This is Stuart Douglas alongside PD Sims, and you're listening to season two of the Men of Ann Arbor podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Men of Ann Arbor podcast. I am one of your hosts, Stuart Douglas, alongside PD Sims. PD, what's up, man? How was Christmas? Man, still it was great. How was your Christmas, man? It was solid, but it was uh, a lot of family. It was uh, enough for a couple of months. I'm like, I'm ready to hibernate until about till the 500, till the Indy 500 in May. That's that's literally all I can think about now. Man, you know that's the family time. That's the time you know people yeah. look forward to that time of the year to get with their family. I spend a lot of time with my family, so Christmas is usually you know the family time. Get that whole time, um, get that whole year to prepare for that time. You know what I was not prepared for after basketball is like the gift giving. Cause I was never, I don't, I mean, maybe, I think we got to go home for Christmas actually, funny enough, when you and me played that first year in Israel, my first year in Israel. Um, but otherwise, like we never went back for Christmas, never got gifts. And the really big shocking thing is like, these gift exchanges where I have gifts exchanged with my wife's family twice. Uh, one at the office, I got to draw names. I got to draw my siblings' names. We're doing that now. And then there was another one. And I was like, I, I don't want to give gifts for people with a $20 limit for something that they don't even care about. Oh, something for like another group I had. I was like, I bought a, I bought a, a toilet light for one of these gifts. <laughs> and I'm like, nobody wants these gifts, man. These are terrible. I hated it. Man, you know, we've been buried overseas for so long, man, and that's kind of one of the um, gifts and a curse you took away from your family during the holidays. Yes. So it's not a lot of celebrating Christmas. We don't care about gifts. I don't think some of those years I, I didn't even see a Christmas tree. So I know getting back here and being with the family and exchanging gifts is kind of weird for me and you. Yeah, yeah, and especially me being in Israel, Christmas is not even close to a thing. So it was, I mean, Hanukkah is barely celebrated there. Honestly, they don't really don't care about it. Like, like it, every time I come home, like, oh, you celebrate Hanukkah over there? Like, I mean, they did Hanukkah, but nobody really cared about it like they do in America. So it was interesting to come back. But yeah, it is a gift and a curse for sure. Uh, tell me about the Doughboys. What's our record now? Oh, we are four and six. Okay. We, you know, we're having some struggles right now. It's, you know, my thing is me becoming a new coach and, you know, new to this program, you know, I'm going back on the roots. I was taught uh, I've grown to have some great coaches and they were based on foundation and discipline, you know. So mm -hmm. even coming in the middle, I'm trying to put those qualities back into the program and, you know, forget the record right now. If I can get that um, type of fundamental back into the program, um, the year is coming forward. We're going to be really good. Yeah, it's funny. Full circle now that you're a coach. People not listening – or people not listening. People listening that didn't know or didn't hear before in the other episodes, uh, PD got the head coaching job of uh, Pershing High School, that he the, the school he graduated from, who are nicknamed the Doughboys. Um, and so you're 10 games through. Now, tell me one thing – I feel like it's like, a, you know, my parents always tell me like, oh, you'll understand when you become a parent. Like, what's one of those moments where you're like, oh, now I understand as a coach, like, why 
players are frustrating or like how hard it is or like what, what's like, like some aha moments you've had? Yeah, you know, just that that great area between um, going hard and, you know, in my eyes, like, you know, we played for B-Line. When I thought I was going hard at a drill or yeah, trying to do a play or we used to do five on zero and B-Line used to always stop us. Like, you're not going hard enough, game speed. And these guys, when they doing drills and certain things, just the speed and – the enthusiasm they do it with is, is it just doesn't do it for me. So I'm usually stopping every play. Come on, man, that's not game speed. So I, I understand what my coaches were saying. Do yeah. this shit game speed, man. You 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 got to get something out of it. How's uh? And you're so like chill, but direct. Like I feel like you have like a good combination of honesty, but you're not you're not like getting into people's asses like being an asshole, you know? So have you had, have you had a pretty good response you think from the kids? It's up and down, Stu, just because I played the game, I've respected the game and, you know, I kind of know what it takes to even get a scholarship, you know? So I just can't let these guys just do anything. So if it takes me getting out of my character, which Mm -hmm. I have been, you know, in these first six weeks, getting out of my character, because, you know, I, I just want the game to be, you know, taught right and um, also executed right. And shit, you got to get out of your character to show them the right way. Shit, I had to plenty of times so right. far. Yeah, I mean, that's a good – that's like a good way of putting it. Because if you wanted to change as a player, you had to do something you never done before, which means you had to be out of your character, which means you got to be pushed and you got to push yourself. So, yeah, you want to see your head coach like taking it like, no, no. Like, this is serious. So, I'm curious. I, I'm uh, interested to hear how the season ends. How many games left? We have maybe six games, and then we have districts. Okay. And from the districts yeah, that, that work? Yeah. So, the districts, um, once you start district play, that's like um, lose and go home. So, you go from districts to regionals to quarterfinals, semifinals, all the way to the final four in Breslin. Gotcha. Yeah, we call it sectionals. And it's class basketball, right? Still yeah, it's class. class basketball. Yeah, it's class. Yeah, what classes? What class you guys? Man, when I were playing, we were class A. And basically, the class is based on the amount of students are in the school. You know, yep. so now we are class D. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We so went from 2,000 yep, students. Now we got about 400. Damn. Okay. So yeah, you guys are working, but that they're working to build that back up, right? They're they're yep. trying to get that. Yeah, we well, good. got sixty million for a new school, um, twenty twenty seven. So, you know, that's huge. People like new things. Yeah, people like new things, new gyms, standalone gym. Um, got to invest. Yep, yep. So people like new things, and hopefully that brings some new energy for the parents to start sending their kids to Persian. We need to. Uh... PD's coach's corner every 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 podcast. We gotta like that's that's exactly what we're gonna do, actually. We're gonna do PD's coach's corner. Coach PD's corner. I don't know. We'll come up with it. Okay. But some lesson you've been learning, take the journey with you as you become a coach. Cause to me, it like to be on the other side of it seems nerve-wracking as hell. But it seems like you've been figuring it out. So I'll, I'm excited to keep uh updating everybody on that. For Four sure. six ain't bad. You'll figure it out. Yeah, four six ain't bad. 
You got to get some like, kids to come in. Yeah, it's kind of like the Wolverines right now, man. You know, just trying to figure it out. And that. Oh, that's a good trend. You're good at transitioning. Yeah. Yeah, All right. yeah no, for sure. So, yeah. Same position. Guy, uh, I mean, if, if Michigan was four and six in their last 10, it would have been. I think they'd be sitting in a better spot. But we're. It's a weird. We're doing a podcast about Michigan basketball, and there's so many things to talk about, but I don't even know where to start. Watching the game against um, Minnesota was just painful. The last four games have been painful, really ever since the Florida loss, which they pretty much gave away, sort of gave away there with a game-tying three at the end of regulation, I think it was, or overtime. Ever since then, it's just been a total total letdown. I mean, it's just fallen off a cliff. And we were on here last time trying to stay positive. But I don't know, man. That From body language last night to the record to the incident with Sanderson and everyone calling for Juwan's head, like, I don't know how recoverable this all is. I mean, there's plenty of season left, but it is – it's dire straits, PD. Like I, I don't, I don't know how much more hope I can, I can give. You know, um, our, I can remember Beeline's first year. Um, it wasn't a lot of pressure on him because it was his first year. But we were yeah. kind of in the position, as you know, we were in a position where we had to make a decision. Our record wasn't so good out of conference, and you know, Big Ten in the beginning of Big Ten we struggled, but it was something that clicked. Um, enough for us to go on into the next season, but it's something that has to click for this Michigan basketball team. Nothing is going right right now. Um, you have a you have a cluster of players who you know you can get things from on any given night, but we living by the three, you know. And in the second half, and a lot of those games, we just haven't been able to close. So. Mm-mm. Closing will be one because um, I think it was well Minnesota game up seven. You know I think it was forty seven forty. Um, I don't think we scored again. Yeah. Um, we we didn't score again for, yeah, for a at long least stretch. for a long stretch. So and that's a trend in the second half. You know we get saved in the first half by our threes, and in the second half, you know once teams app up the defense, we just you know. We don't close out, so we got to find something still in this next couple of, you know, the game next games coming up um, where our identity just clicks and we, we pull some wins together. If not, everything that's been shining on is going to get even uglier. Yeah. I mean, it's not like they're not – it's not like they're getting blown out Mm-mm. of these games like – I mean, it's always possible that happens during the year, but they have the talent where they, they're never going to get really blown out, I don't think, unless they just give up. My big concern, last, like watching the game against Minnesota, was watching Doug kind of walk through the game a little bit. I think he had five in the first half. He had some buckets at the end, but like he had five points for like 20, 25 minutes of that game. And he's your leading scorer. He's not really. He wasn't really getting in the paint. And I don't know what's going on. There's rumors of some maybe academic eligibility issues coming up here that might be announced in like a few days. 
I don't I don't love to give credence to rumors, but it was a little odd to watch them where their backs should be against the wall and you still wanted to see a little more like hunger, like a little more fight, like go down shooting instead of, you know, backpedaling. And I we said it before, this this team begins and ends with Doug. Now you have Olivier, who's really solid offensively, and you can you can work through Olivier a lot, uh, especially at the end of games. But the lifeblood of it, like throughout the game, is going to be Doug getting into the teeth of the defense. Doug, you know, creating mismatches, mismatches on the pick and roll, and I just didn't see that last night. It was, a, it was a kind of a, a letdown. It was just kind of odd to see for a team up against. They're backed up completely up against the wall. I mean, like, people want Jawan fired today. And if Ward Manuel fired Jawan today, which I still don't know is the best idea, um, but if he fired him today, people wouldn't bat an eye. They'd be like, yeah, that, that makes sense. Like, he wouldn't be out of bounds to do it. And yet this team shows up, and they still give up however many offensive rebounds and rotation mistakes. So something – something seems off with like the feeling around the team. Like if I'm, if I think my coach is going to get fired, you know, me and BI didn't even have all the best relationship in the world at my time at Michigan. But if I thought I was going to be responsible for a coach getting fired, that's all motivation I needed. So I don't know where it starts, but like, I don't, I just don't think that they're together. Like I don't see them being together. I, I mean, did you, did you watching that last night in the last like four or five games, like do you think that they're together the way that we tried to be together? <clears throat> like you said, um, that makes you – when you hear stuff, that we heard stuff as players just like anybody else doing the media. So it either boosts you, your morale, or it puts you in a slump because if yeah. you, you're not necessarily agreeing with your coach and you were hearing rumors that he's getting fired, you're going to – you know, take a back seat a little bit. You're not going to app up your play and be the cause of him staying and vice versa. When, you know, you care about him, you're going to play a little harder. So like you say, the morale is off. So you, you can't really put a finger on there um, based on what it is, but it's a lot of things going around the team right now. And you, like I say, Sanderson is a big part of the team. So, if he's not there, which I don't know, if he's not there, that's that's like that's huge, you know, you know, because that's a piece of the team that we definitely in the past as Wolverines relied on for our success. I think he got there and you know, beeline last ten seasons there, he went to the tournament nine times. So and you know, it takes a, a village and he was a big part of that village. So yeah. And contrary to that, Jawan hasn't been there, um, you know, these first how – long, how long has he been out? Six months as far as the heart surgery. So, yeah, uh, four. Yeah. Those those guys were responsible. The assistant coaches were responsible for, you know, filling that void and the things, you know. He's just getting back. So, do he take all the slack for – um, the success of the team thus far, I mean, you got to put some of it on there because that's those are this is the team he constructed. But everyone yeah. must take some blame here, Sue. Everyone. That's 
that is, I think, the number one way to succeed is to take responsibility, take blame. Not don't take anyone else, don't take other people's blame. Like don't try and be like a a hero for and sure. be like, all right, I'll take blame for everyone else. No, everyone should take their own blame, be responsible for themselves. And that's why I, 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 I'm in this like always this like weird in between position, this um, weird gray area when it comes to critiquing players. Because one, you know, I have a hard time you're critiquing young kids, teenagers, right? That are still learning the game. And, you know, we expect, expect them to do these great things. But there's a flip side of it where it's like, okay, but you also know that such and such player can give a little more effort. Like he could have boxed out better. He could have been in position to box out better. He could have not lost his man on a backdoor cut twice in one game uh, or let his man get an offensive rebound for a bucket twice in one game, let alone once. So there are things like that where, you know, I, I would imagine that the coaching staff has taught box out drills. Like that's a thing. But it just comes down to you know how what 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 importance you put on it. Um, Can I cut right you now, off? Uh, yeah, I'm go ahead. Cut you off. What importance you mean the player or the coach? The importance the player put on it or the coach? Because if you're a coach, I'm coaching now, so it, yeah, I have this frustration. If I'm implementing a certain drill, and you know how um, coaches beat drills into your head every day. Yeah, and certain drills like a box out drill, and you don't box out, and the ball goes up. And you look and you wait till the ball lands on the rim to start to do the drill that we worked on so many times. Is it my fault as a coach or is it your fault as a player? It just, I think it kind of depends for each kid, right? Like, I think everyone can always use motivation, right? Like, if you, if you learn a lesson, you know, it's why self-help books and podcasts are, are good. Like, I find a lot of things, you know, motivational things beneficial now more than I ever did because it's it's good to have that reminder. So there's there's part of that that's on the coach. But again, there's part of it that's on the player. I think it's a mix of things. But I think there is groundwork that has to be laid with each team. And especially when you have a team like this where you're kind of restarting a culture, right? Like Doug, you got a new player sure. that's at the helm. Your, your, your two best players are pretty much new to this responsibility on this team. So you have to make it important and you have to let them know it's important. And like the players have to coach each other that it's important. Um, you know, like in terms of like boxing out beyond his strategy was kind of, was fear-based. Like if you're not, if you don't do this, <laughs> you're going to, you're going to run. And you're going to get your ass chewed out and film. I don't think that's totally necessary all the time. Sometimes it is. Um, It depends on who the player is and depends how many times you told this kid. I think our our beeline did it because he didn't have a deep roster and he didn't like playing a lot of guys. I think this team is similar. Juwan does not like playing a lot of guys at all. I mean, he barely plays Trey Jackson. Jalen Llewellyn's not playing at all. I don't know what's going on there. Um, Will is not getting a lot of minutes like I think he should be. And, you know, Namari was, for instance, like Namari had two box outs that were missed, but like he, he doesn't want to take him out. And, 
you know, whatever terrorist mistakes he makes, he doesn't want to take him out either. And so there's no, you're not getting any learning lessons from being benched, which is, that'll make you learn real quick what you need to do to stay on the court. So there's got to be other ways you do it. And there's, you know, there's a couple ways you do it. If you do it fear-based, um, you can really just try and level with guys and have like, really just be openly honest about everything. Um, there's, I don't know. It, it, that's the, that's always the toughest part, right? Managing other people is tough. You know it. Yeah, for sure. So, so basically, it's a coaching thing. So, primarily because it's but like finding... how, how often, how long can players go with being like, you know, you missed the box out four times, and then you go, yeah, that's still fine. Like, maybe that's a coaching thing. I don't know. They're sophomore. Like all these guys are like at least sophomores now. You should know that stuff. You should know that your freshman year, halfway through your freshman year. But I don't know. I don't know where the answer is. But I know like it goes a little bit of both ways, at least. Yeah, for sure. Because, you know, but I think, you know, the coach didn't put in the method of being a fear base or, you know, like you said, having a one-on-one, being honest with a player. You know, maybe that would have worked for a player. Like, I was more of a fear based player, so – I knew that I wanted to play and I didn't want to run. So, and the guy who controlled that was the head coach. So, and now that I'm coaching, it's zero tolerance for her. I just have zero tolerance just because I saw my coaches be that way with me and I was better than yeah. all of these guys. So, it's like, you guys not going to do, oh, yeah, you got to run. Like, I yeah. can't be nice, but. The culture of basketball not now, even in college. I think I read something um, where the, a Louisville player wouldn't go into the game because they didn't have the specific type that, that kid was messed up. But the, the culture isn't too far for this generation of basketball and how they think. Me being around it now, you know – so I can imagine trying to get a guy to box out and he just having brain farts during the game. And what can you do as a coach? Like you gotta, you, you gotta find some way you gotta move on. You gotta figure out a way coaching is, I think going to your players, you know, beeline coached people pretty similarly. Um, which I didn't always agree with. But the one thing that the coaching staff, him, and I'll give a lot of credit to the assistants as well, but a lot of credit to Beeline. My junior year, when we turned it around, Beeline was, I guess, on the hot seat. And we turned it around. I I hit that shot. We beat uh, Michigan State at Michigan State, broke that streak of losses, and then went on to make the tournament. And then the rest was history. That was turned around from a – in. Uh, a team meeting with coaches where everyone on our team, the reason we were not having success was because everyone was placing blame everywhere else. And so fear-based coaching was not working. And so we finally had like a come to Jesus moment where we all just said, listen, you got to take responsibility for yourself. We got to quit pointing, quit being immature, quit being babies, quit pointing the finger at everyone else. We all know we make mistakes and we're losing because of it. And it was like a, a switch flipped. And we're like, yeah, you're right. Now, 
I'm going to toot my own horn here. I didn't need that speech. Okay. So other guys needed that speech. All right. That it's, it, to me, that stuff is always obvious, but some guys, you know, you need to come to Jesus moment uh, when that happens. Um, and when your backs are against the wall, I think we started out one in five or something in the big 10. I still can't remember what it was. And it was like, if you keep losing, like you're not going to make the tournament. And then, you know, your pro, your pro prospects aren't going to look as good. And, um, you know, your, your stock is just going to be plummeting. And so that, that that's a wake up call. Like, all right, Let's quit with the childish stuff. Now, this team, I don't know. They don't seem like that. Uh, we had personalities my junior year that didn't always mesh, and I don't know if this team really has that, to be honest. So I don't know what the answer is. No one – that's the other side of it. No one is in the huddle. No one's in the locker room. We're not sure how they're being coached, what's being done, what's being said, what the culture is. All anyone from the outside can do is speculate. Um, you know, even inside sources – like there are a lot of guys that have great inside sources of Michigan basketball and Michigan sports in general. You still don't know, right? Like you don't know until you're in it. I, I, I'll, I'll wholeheartedly believe that forever. So it's, it's really hard to say like what the answer is, but it's inching closer to like, let's hit the reset button, unfortunately, but I don't know. Um, yeah. So the reset button is, you know, is never good on either side. It may be good for the program in the future, but when it's like this, you know, I don't necessarily think that's the best option, but it's basketball, it's business. College basketball is mostly business. So, you know, man, I just hate to see something like that happen. And, you know, but usually everything falls on the head coach and yeah, everything. I want to ask you about this because I got this question on Twitter X last night. Um, about the last second shot. So, Doug, they were down 73-71. Doug had it. Uh, they ran a pick and roll. They got uh, Minnesota switch. So, the big man who was – who I don't know if he's all defensive Big Ten team or Michigan was just making him look like that. Got a switch. And Doug went from the left wing down uh, across the paint, like towards the right block, and threw up a Runner one-handed home. runner, right hand, right foot – and he's made those. Uh, it's possible. I think the height of the big man uh, kind of flushed him a little bit, and I think he he would want that play back again and replay it. I'm sure he like replayed it in his head all the scenarios that he would do different. I'm not going to judge him for it. Basically, what the guy said was like, you know, what do you think of this last second shot? And I said, I don't really judge harshly last second shots like that. Me either. Because of the insane amount of pressure that you're under. And you're just kind of scrambling. And you, there's no, like, real plan. I mean, we all look at, like, the Kobe's, the Michaels, the LeBron's, the, the, the Durant's, the, the Curry's, all those guys that get, like, a lot of last-second shots. Well, they have a lot of practice doing it, and they're pros, and they're older, and they have more experience. Like, I'm not going to judge a 19-year-old kid who has, barely has any experience in this over that shot. And I don't think the play was all that bad. But Michigan's been, you know, they're 4-18 uh, in games decided by six points or less um, in, re- in the regulation overtime in the last two seasons. And this year, I think alone, it's like, what, one in something, one in six? I don't know what it is exactly, but more than that. I don't – I mean, they cannot close out games. And we talked about it before on this podcast – but I'm not sure offensively I'm, I'm going to change much. I think for me it's defensively, like going to the zone a little too quick. But, I mean, 
specifically on those last second shot, I mean, did you – what were your thoughts when Doug took that on that last second play? Like, do you think they should have done something different? I mean, what, what, do you, what, what are you judging there? Or is it just like, yeah, that happens, move on? Yeah, I never judge a last second shot because what if it went in? You know, a lot of the things that people – what such a simple question, but such a good point. Yeah, um, it could have went in, and a lot of things and the problems that be imposed for a few of those games that came down to shots that could have went in and, and changed the outcome of a game. So you don't have those problems if those shots go in. So I, I never base it on the last second shots. Doug, if you look at last year, Doug wasn't a primary player last year, and with last second shots, controlling the game down the stretch. Like you say, they last two seasons, um, six points or less, they lost most of the game. So that comes with experience. They don't have a guy, a point guard, that has the experience, the time on the floor, and hasn't been put in those situations. Even as good as Doug is, he hadn't been put in those situations. So I don't think yeah. you, know, you can judge him at all because – the only way you learn from those situations are missing shots like that, then learning from them, seeing if you could have took a better shot. Um, but you have yeah. to be put in those situations first to learn from them. So I don't judge. Uh, if you could, like, it's always easy to look back. You could say, like, okay, you know, Minnesota was doubling in the post, so you should have thrown it into Olivier and try and draw on a double team and then get an open shot that way. It's so easy to do after the fact. And then if that doesn't work, you're like, no, you got to put the – like, that doesn't work. And then the sentiment would have been, no, you got to put the ball in the hands of your point guard and let Doug make the decision. So there's always – there's it's always wrong, you know, unless you just get a – even <laughs> – this is what's hilarious. LeBron would throw to a wide-open 40% shooter in the corner for three to win a game. It, maybe it didn't go in, and they'd be like – Bad decision. LeBron should have shot it. Like, no one's ever happy when it doesn't work out. And that's part of my problem critiquing Jawan at the end of games. And this is a pattern of losing close games. I will give him that. I'll give people – I'll give critics that. I think it's mostly defensively, in my opinion, than it is offensively. Um, but I'm not going to critique it unless I'm breaking down the whole game. Like, I have a hard time – breaking down things now like patterns like okay the team's not boxing out okay that's a real critique like you got to make that a focus and maybe bench guys if they're not boxing out fine but like certain like play calls um you know if you want to you, you shouldn't really critique it unless you really want to break it down i think greg waddell on 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 x was breaking them down like after timeout play in the second half um that stuff i'm fine with but it's hard to really say like what they're doing without really breaking down all the film, because as far as I know, the last like six seven games, that whole Florida game, I thought they played it well. Like they gave Doug the ball, and they just ran pick and roll, and Doug just went a little colder during that stretch down the end. But like I thought they made the right decision, so I wasn't gonna fault Jawan for the end of games, end of game. Um, um, production besides you know the zone defense which i absolutely hate so i don't know it's it's a complicated i'm kind of talking myself into circles here but it's just a complicated critique that i just have always hated like that end of game shot like if it doesn't go in 
of course it was wrong. Like there's always something better that could have happened. So uh, that part to me, I just, I just don't even want to take part in anymore, but that's, that's, that's where we're at with all of this is like You're right. little that's stuff what, like that, where like a missed layup is Juwan's fault all of a sudden. That's where we are with all of it. So now we're just at the point now. Okay. <clears throat> we know it's a possibility that every, or the Juwan could be fired or, you know, yeah. whatever. I'm reading it. I'm seeing it. You seeing it. Um, going forward, we still have tasks. We still are in the season. The Big Ten season is still upon us. Yeah. What do you think yes. going forward would be will help us the most? What thing can we change? Is it our intensity? Is it our, our rebounding? Is it um you know? I don't know. What yeah. factor can we change that will give us the biggest um, boost to, you know, at least try to get a win against Penn State, who are struggling too as well. And usually when you play a team that's struggling just like you, yeah, um, the one who picks it up the fastest, usually the one who wins, you know. So what can we do still? I think it is that intensity. I think they have to – I think as players, you also have a responsibility to yourself and to your teammates to say, listen, like we got to play for each other as well. And maybe that's disjointed right now. Maybe that's not the case, but somebody's got to bring them together and be a leader. And, and I, I, I really do think they are missing Jace, um, him being injured. It's tough. It's easy to say that you can lead from the sidelines. Um, but I've tried to do it. I've been tasked with that before overseas. I've had a coach come to me and say, hey, we need you to tell, tell literally Jarrell McNeil, okay, former, yeah. I think, All-American, played at Marquette. They wanted me to tell him and another guy, that our two best players, like, to, like, coach from within the team. I'm like, you don't even – you're not even playing me right now. They're like, they're, they're not going to respect what I'm saying. So, sure. anyways, that was, a, that was a sidebar. So, I think they do miss Jace with that. But I think that is that intensity. It is sort of that – together this that they need with their backs against the wall like listen like our our season can can be trash really quick and if they it can let I me mean, let's okay let's look at how many games they got left let's just do a quick little intermission i mean can they even get to 20 i don't i don't think there is 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 11 12 13 14 15 okay they can get to 20 it's going to be an unbelievable run that they need to make, but the season's not completely trashed yet. Okay, now if they go six. If they end up being like six and fourteen, they lose the next six games, then it's trash. Like it's done. But there's still hope, and they need to come together. How if it, whether it takes the coaches, whether it takes the players to do it on their own, you got to come together and you got to be more intense. I think from the coaches' side, they need to they need to play the bench a little more. They need more rest, and they need to say, "Listen, you're going to be out there." And you're going to be playing intense the entire time. And when we see that you're not, you're going to come out and you're going to rest. You'll get back in. You'll be fine. But if you're not playing hard, we see that as you being tired. And if you're tired, we'll have somebody in there fresh for you. And then you'll get back in when you're rested. And I think that it's going to take some hard lines here for them to turn it around. Um, you know, there's only so so many niceties that you can you can throw people's way. 
um, with a streak like this. So I think I think there is going to be like a, a line drawn in the sand, whether it's from the coach, whether it's from player to player, coach to coach, or coaches to players, whatever it is. Like they need to draw a hard line and say, if you're not doing this, then you're not a part. You're not with us. I don't know. What, what do you think? Man, you took the words right out of my mouth. That's enough to win. I, I think, you know, um, teams have won with less talent, man. It's been something in the morale, something that doesn't have nothing to do with talent. Um, yeah. Something spiritual that comes within. We've played many games. Me and you both played a professional career, four-year college career. So we both had times in seasons where a team just pull it together where some magical and it's, you know, we still are same physical capabilities. Something just yep. comes, we come together and we just make it work. We don't know how, but we just know that intensity turns up, that togetherness turns up and attention to detail because a thing like rebounding is just, you know, I don't want to play for these guys. You know, I, I don't want to play for my teammates because if, I'm not rebounding. I remember when a rebound goes over my head or I mix the box out, it hits the gut because I feel like I let the team down. The coach exactly. going to look at me and look crazy, and it was always highlighted when I felt like I did it. So even when I missed the box out, I tried to box out just because of the feeling of knowing how you treat it when you missed it. And, you know, if these guys yeah. don't care about that, it, it – that's a bad sign. So you need to get that type of, you mean, feeling back to the game if they're going to look forward to even getting close to that 20. God, there's nothing worse. Like playing really tough one-on-one -on -one defense, you force a bad shot, and then somebody lets up an offensive rebound for a basket. You're like, why did I just waste my effort here? So there is. There is that plan for your teammates, and that attention to detail is – is massive. When we played another team, and particularly in college, just in general, in basketball, but in particular in college, you knew, you watched so much film, and you knew when a team was undisciplined or whether they were disciplined. And there, it was on a spectrum. So you're like, okay, yeah, these guys are talented, but like, I'm not worried about it because they're going to have to hit all their threes because I know they're going to make these mistakes and we're going to force them. So when a team is sloppy and undisciplined, it's like fresh meat, man. It it, it was – I didn't care how talented you were. When you played a team with talent and discipline, you were playing Duke when they were, like, making those runs. You were like, oh, shit. I got to run through the most disciplined screens ever from two 6'10 dudes, and then they don't make mistakes on defense, and they hit their shots. You're like, I better be – up to par right now today oh. but yeah it's um i think that michigan teams view them as kind of undisciplined and they've taken advantage of it and i think they need to to reverse that because it's right there they they can do it easily so i don't know i mean hope is not a right word to use but like the possibility is still there i guess we'll uh, wait to find out more about what's going on with doug if anything um you know, every day I'm checking Twitter, like, is Jawan still there? So it's kind of – it's not fun times, but we'll see what happens. Uh, before we get out of here, PD, let's talk uh, Let's talk a little Michigan football. We can't – I'd be remiss. We didn't talk about it last time when we recorded. We should have. Alabama, big win. My heart about fell out of my butt. I thought they were definitely going to lose. But now they got Washington. 
versus Michael Penix. You got any predictions? I'm feeling a Michigan win, dude. I'm feeling a Michigan win, too. Um, I like Penix, too. I like Washington. I think they're fun. I only see golden blue. Amazing blue, rather. I, I don't I don't see I don't see it, man. Just like with Alabama, you know, was a lot of guys, even the news radio here. I'm going to work listening to the radio and in the same breath, um, the same guy said, Oh yeah, I wasn't sure Michigan was gonna win. Um, but I'm glad they win. Now McCarthy had to step it up, have to step it up if they're gonna win again, like Come on, you can't have cake and eat it too, man. Like, come on, man. Pick one. I, I think I think that uh they came out throwing against Alabama. I think they run the ball down Washington's throw. I think they just trying to control the game. I think he wants like an NFL grind it out, control the ball type game. And I would not be surprised. The Ohio State game at Ohio State this year, JJ did not throw. He threw one pass. But it was a pass interference call, so there was no there was no official pass that he threw during the second half of that game, which I don't know if I've ever seen besides like an Army Navy game or something. But I think they do. I think they come back with that strategy. I think they just run it, run it, run it. I'd be a little surprised if they have JJ throwing the ball. But he looked. I mean, he threw three touchdowns against Bama. So I need you. So yeah, he he looked good, and I'm just, I'm trying to pull up my parlay because I might need you um, with this one. I definitely, I, I definitely, I definitely won. And I, I was going to show the screen. Um, you hit a parlay, uh, what, against Bama? Yes, against Bama. What was it? What were the bets? Um, I'm pulling it up now. I'll tell you mine. I won. It was uh, – you won? Yeah, I won I won my, my ladder. Okay, so I had McCarthy over 182. Um, I had Damn. Roman Wilson to score. I had Corm to score two. I had the running back – from Alabama to score two touchdowns. And I had um Jordan Poole to score ten points. What did you what did you get the what were the odds? Um plus six thousand. Oh damn. Yeah, that's a nice little hit right there. Yeah, I was about to show you what, what I put on it, just a dollar. No, it wasn't. It's just a dollar. Yep, just a dollar. No, it was not a dollar. It was a dollar, man. My my no, that's my, my fan duel ain't coming up, but I just put a dollar on there. But I'm bet with Michigan through and through. Washington, just another um, steak on the menu. I like that. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I think the you would expect them to roll over the line, so we'll see. But uh, yeah, my my bet. I bet. Um, I thought Michigan was going to win by like two scores. So I bet money line minus half point, minus one, minus one and a half, minus two, minus two and a half, all the way as far as I could. I was going to go to 14 small amounts, but DraftKings would only let me go until minus six and a half. And so I was lucky. Thank, thank God for DraftKings limits because they obviously they won by seven. I hit every bet that I made, but I would I probably would have lost some trying to chase some bigger odds like minus 10 minus minus like 12 something like that um but yeah i, I think i'll probably do something similar with this game i don't know what the spread is at but i'm expecting a, a michigan win i think Penix is ridiculous and if if they can get can i even i don't even know if i can see it maybe we'll see that on youtube oh there we go you're a wild you're a wild dude 
You got to send me your send me your parlay. That's what we'll do. We'll make it public. Look. <laughs> we need it. We need to come up with a parlay each each uh, podcast. Hey man, episode. it's taking over the world, man. I, I, I know it's taking over my phone. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I know it's it's ridiculous. Honestly, it might be. It might. It's kind of becoming a problem. Um. Okay, let's do it right here. Let's do a Michigan parlay. You pick two. I pick two. Okay. Let's, okay, you go first. You got a bet for me? No, let me see the odds. I got to see the odds. I got to see the odds. Uh, <laughs> real-time live betting. Yeah. This is what the people pay for. Yeah, real-time live betting. I got to see the odds. They should have a hot – I don't know why they don't have a highlighted. Okay. They have Michigan. Oh, Michigan, four and a half. Of course. Uh, DraftKings won't even load. So, I got – I got Michigan, I got Michigan money line. Um, okay, I got the game being over fifty six points. Unless we just start to run okay. it, you know. But that quarterback, he threw four four man. He he's fired. Yeah, but okay, he's fired. Okay, four point. Um, you know, Corum to score for sure. I got Roman Wilson to score for sure, and I got Donovan Edwards for twenty five rushing yards. I like to keep it cute, man. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Okay. You let's do a for real one. And I'm gonna put I'm gonna put money on it. You pick your two favorite, and I'm gonna pick my two favorite. Okay. Michigan money line, Blake Corman score. Where the hell is this? Okay. I can't even find it. You know it's parlay, so the money got to add up. So you just add the other bets in. Now the real sport betting world. Okay, here we go. So you're taking Michigan money line. Corner score. All right. I'm going to take. I do parlays too. I'm going to take. See, Corum's three seventy. I'm going to take Odunze, Odunze, Odunze. Okay. To score. And I'll oh, see. They only do receiving yards. They don't do receptions. But I think Corum goes over a hundred yards. In fact, yeah, I think Corum over a hundred yards and Odunze to score. Oh, that was some, okay. Oh, that was, I like that. Yeah. That, and then you got Michigan money line. Yep. And Blake to score. Yep. Easy. That's an easy parlay. That's a that's a win. Yep. So. I only do it based on winning because I only like to see the trophy. I only like to win the trophy. Okay. I got plus 385. Not a bad little parlay. Let's. I'm putting money on it. Yeah, but see. All right. That's our parlay. That's our parlay section of the podcast. I love parlays, man. They're so dangerous. They're, it's so stupid. Betting parlays is so stupid, but it's just the most fun. Stu, I would bet. I would bet every two days, and if I get like this weary feeling, I, I will stop. But every time I come back, I win. Every time I come back, I win. You got the touch. I got the touch. Yeah, I need you. I need you. I, I need you to send me your best. Man, I go away and I come back, and I always add for sure, and it add, always adds up. I got to get over plus five thousand. And it'd be like maybe a six okay. or seven leg, but you know, and I put a dollar, two dollars on there. I just want a hundred, one fifty. 
I'm gonna sprinkle one. I'm gonna I'm gonna add a Donovan Edwards touchdown there too because I'm I'm really feeling the rush game. But we'll see. Oh, see, but they do that sometimes. Uh, I've experienced that in the yeah. past. Bet with McCarthy for passing, and everybody scoring rushing touchdowns. So it's like, yep, yeah. And then last game he has three passing see? touchdowns, which would have won you a lot of money. So we'll see. Uh, that's Monday though, so we'll have to come back and see how we did, but. Appreciate you, everybody, listening. Um, I don't know when we'll be back. They play Penn State next. It's kind of the battle of two teams that are very down right now. We want to see them anything. We just want to see a win, see how they respond to this. You know, who knows? But we appreciate everybody listening. Um, we'll be back soon. Hit us up. Let us know if you uh, if you followed our parlay. Hopefully we'll get it out there. I'll put that out on, uh, on X as well. But appreciate everybody. Until next time. See ya. See ya.